Episode 11 of the State of the Old Republic podcast was originally recorded on October 31st, 2016. It's the State of the Old Republic podcast. This week, Bioware announces that comms and crystals will be converted to credits in Knights of the Eternal Throne. Hoping to get rich? Well, not so fast. I'll have details on the conversion rates. Also this week, Bioware announced compensation for the disappearing cartel market passes. I'll have information on that as well. Details were also released on crafting gear and mods in the new expansion. I'll tell you how it's all going to work. And finally this week, I'll tell you all about uprisings, and no, I'm not talking about player responses to Knights of the Eternal Throne. And with that, it's time to make the jump to light speed and check out the State of the Old Republic. Well, welcome to episode 11 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and as you heard in the opening, I have another fantastic show lined up for you today, and actually there has just been a ton of information and a lot of ground to cover. So let's jump right in with some announcements for the Old Republic. And just a reminder that the Dark vs. Light event will end on November 29th, which coincides with the early access to Knights of the Eternal Throne. However, the companion reward, which is going to be the light side companion, will be decided on November the 15th. So, you know, still still enough time to at least get to Eternal if you're working on that Legendary. Uh, the window for that is closing very quickly. As of recording this podcast, the Gree event was going on in-game. There is an achievement for that. I think that will end officially on November the 1st, and I think that's going to be the Rack Ghoul event after that. So... Just the, like I said, the, the window, the whole event is going to end here, obviously, once Knights of the Eternal Throne releases, but the opportunities to get that legendary, uh, that final achievement are, are rapidly closing. So if you haven't done that, uh, you're, you're getting very close to it being too late. So, but, but enough on that. Also, just a reminder, well, just a quick, uh, podcast announcement. So I just wanted to kind of give you an idea of my, my upcoming pod, podcast schedule for the State of the Old Republic podcast. So regarding episode 12, I am still shooting for November the 8th, but it might be November the 9th because I, as many of you know, I also play World of Warcraft and I'm actually headed out to California this week for BlizzCon and I won't be getting back until uh, the end of the weekend. So be a little bit tight for me to A, review all the news and information that was released while I was out as well as get a podcast out to you on November 8th, but that's what I'm going to shoot for. If I miss the 8th, then hopefully it'll be on November 9th. Episode 13, I should be fine with that to get that to you on November the 15th. Now, episode 14th normally would be released on November 22nd. I'm actually going to be headed out of town again right around that period, so no promises on that. And there won't be a podcast on November the 29th. Yes, I know that's the day early release, which has nothing to do with that. Again, it's just this, I'll be out of town for this period of time, unfortunately. Thanksgiving holiday and all of that. So I just won't be able to have a podcast uh, for that week for sure. I will do an episode uh, for December 6th. 
And, of course, I'll talk about my progress and impressions of Knights of the Eternal Throne at that time. So that's a podcasting schedule. I'll tweet out all this information and maybe post some information on the site as it comes up. And speaking of schedules, here is the remaining live stream slash blog schedule that BioWare is going to be doing for Knights of the Eternal Throne. And coming up next on November the 3rd, they are going to get into combat and class changes. On November the 10th, they'll talk about the repeatable chapters and the associated difficulty levels. And then on November the 17th, they'll cover the new planets and story insights with Charles Boyd. And then finally, November 24th, they'll do a live stream for, I, actually, I think it might be the 23rd. They've been, they had advertised November 24th, but if I'm, I believe that is Thanksgiving. So it'll either be probably the 22nd or the 23rd. Some, they, they'd mentioned. I don't think they have an official date, but anyway, they're going to do their Knights of the Eternal Throne wrap up and a Q&A. Now, promotions. If you are like a diehard subscriber to the game, a premium player, I should say, like myself, well, the door has now shut on getting the Shea Vizsla companion. You had to have had your be subscribed to the game by October the 25th. That has come and gone. You can still, however, get the Rapid Recon Walker. Just make sure that you are subscribed to the game on or before November the 27th. And, of course, if you've missed Shea Vizsla, you won't be getting early access to the game. Um, however, if you were subscribed for Shea Vizsla and you are subscribed from... October 25th through November 27th, you will get early access to the game on November the 29th. So so that's it. Actually, I've got one final announcement this week. I want to give a shout-out to a member of the SWOTOR community who posted on the forums. So this, this person's name is Lawaro, and he and posted a screenshot from his Jedi Knight, and, and I assume, assume it's a he, but in this screenshot, it was really rather remarkable. He had every single companion available to that character at an influence level of 50. That's right. I believe that was like something like a grand total of 51 companions and he had been able to get their, their influence level on each and every one of them up to level 50. So this is the point where I would offer my congratulations and job well done and all that kind of stuff but actually I'm, I'm not going to do that instead I just you know if anyone if he happens to be listening or if you're a friend of his or happens to know who he is just let him know that he is public enemy number one persona non grata and here's why now I don't remember which episode of the podcast it was but it was one of them I have talked about this whole companion influence system, the gift giving and all of that. And while I think companion influence overall is, is, is kind of a good thing, I don't have any issues with that. The grind to get just one companion to the maximum influence level, never mind every single one available to you in the game, is just utterly insane. And it's something that I just can't stand. It's one of the very few things that I will just be totally willing to say that I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. And this is just one of those things that I hate. And it's because of people like Lawaro, um, getting it done and getting all of these companions to this influence level that make it very hard to kind of even come up with reasoned arguments and go to Bioware and tell them why this is a bad system, all the problems with it, and why they really need to change it and nerf it and just make it easier for us to get our companions. And now, because every time you go to do this, they're just going to go whip out the screenshot and say, hey, I have no idea what you're talking about. Look, 
See how, see, it's totally doable. Look at this guy. All the companions there. I don't really see what the problem is. Solowaro, you, sir, are the reason we can't have nice things. Thanks for nothing. All right, well, that's all the announcements I have for this week. Let's slice the holonet and go over the news this week. So it looks like today Bioware is taking a page out of the Galactic Empire's playbook, and they are disintegrating everything and compensating us for our losses in Knights of the Eternal Throne. So let's talk about the Warzone in Crystal Compensation. So it was confirmed that Warzone Commendations and Commendation Crystals will be replaced with Stone Cold Credits. So stock up on the Crystals and Comms while you can, because come 5.0, you're going to be rich, right? Well, not so fast, my friends. While it's true, you will receive credits, and you will receive them with the following conversion rates, by the way. Warzones, 50 credits. Per com, common crystals, you'll get 500 credits per, per com, or crystal, I should say. Glowing crystals, you'll get 1,000 credits per crystal. And then for the radiant crystals, you'll get 1,500 credits per crystal. And when the expansion launches, you'll log in and find that it will be raining credits. As I said, no, because here's the thing. There is a 2 million credit cap per character on all these conversions. And I think that's any combination. In other words, it's not... 2 million per common, although I'm sure it's mathematically impossible to get 2 million on something like those alone. But the idea is there's going to be a 2 million credit cap per character. And honestly, 2 million isn't that much. And if you're looking to make credits buying and selling, buying and selling companion gifts will earn you way more than what you'll get from, from that conversion. So if you have those common uh, crystals, which are the, the green ones, and you're trying to find things to spend them on and can't come up with any ideas, just I mean, you can't do, you can't go wrong buying those legendary companion gifts at 30 crystals a pop and because they sell upwards of like a hundred thousand credits, you know, depending on the gift and of course depending on your server, but they will net you quite a bit of money if you can stand to, to part ways with them and you don't need them to, you know, level up one of the 51 potential companions that you can get at least on a Jedi Knight. Oh my gosh. So, so there you go. So that's what they're doing with the Warzone crystals and comms. You will just get credits. So the other thing that, that was going away are these cartel market passes. And now they announced what they're going to be doing for compensation for those. And basically what they said is you will receive a 100% refund of cartel coins for the cost of the pass. Whether you directly purchased the pass from the cartel market or received it from another method such as the GTN trade, etc., you will still receive the refunded cartel coins. And here are the costs. So weekly pass flashpoints, 240 cartel coins. Weekly, pla- weekly pass operations, 240. Uh, the space missions, 240. And the war zones, also 240. 180-day pass to Starfighter, 4,320 cartel coins. 30-day pass. For Starfighter, 720, and a seven-day pass for Starfighter, 240 cartel coins. Now, here's the what they what they said about this too is, it is important that any passes which are in guild banks are removed before this happens. If a pass is in the guild bank, it will be deleted and no compensation provided. Now, I haven't cruised by a GTN to see if there are any of these things available for sale. If they are, I imagine they'd be going for a very hefty price and probably not necessarily worth buying unless, of course, you're just swimming in credits and want to convert them into some cartel coins. So that is 
certainly an option, but I imagine these would be very hard to find uh, at this point. But again, I haven't checked. So, me, me, but just something to think about. It's a way to actually purchase something for in-game credits and convert it into cartel coins. Speaking of the GTN, uh, they released, they being uh, Bioware, released some information on crafting gear in Knights of the Eternal Throne. So here's what they had to say. Here's what Eric Musco had to say on crafting, and it was this. He said, one of the goals of crafting is that it will be a mechanism where someone can gear up an alt, catch up to their friends, or even gear an off-spec. With the launch of Eternal Throne, you will find that there is a new grade of materials and higher level items which can be learned from your crafting trainer. Now, the crafted gear will be static, i.e. it is not moddable. Crafted gear will not have a set bonus. And for the first tier of gear, you will be able to craft gear that is of the same rating that comes out of the first tier of gear from the Galactic Command Crates. But for tiers 2 and 3, assuming that there are 3... You will be able to craft gear within two ratings of the best gear. So using Knights of the Fallen Empire as an example, here's what you can craft. So remember, Tier 1 was uh, rating 216 with a set bonus. Uh, tier 2 was 220 rating with a set bonus. And Tier 3 was 224 with a set bonus. So translating that into Knights of the Eternal Throne, you would be able to craft 216 rating gear without a set bonus. Then 218 without a set bonus. And then finally, 222 without a set bonus. Now, crafters will be able to craft mods of those same item levels. And what I mean by that is the 216, the 218, and the 222. Uh, schematics for the gear are going to drop from the Galactic Command loot crates and will be based on the level of the crate. So, for example, if you're getting a Tier 1 loot crate from the Galactic Command and you get a schematic, it would be, in this example, to craft, say, a 216 piece of gear and of course those are the old numbers i for, i don't know if they, they haven't officially announced i don't think what the new item ratings are going to be but it's been data mined somewhere i just don't know what it is off the hot top of my head so i'll be using 216 220 224 etc for purposes of examples today uh crafting will require materials from conquest so you'll need to be doing conquest to get some of the materials to make this stuff schematics for the mods will come from reverse engineering PvP, or looting uh, an ops boss. And then these schematics will require materials that you can get from running operations or PvP. So the way I look at it is gearing up from crafting versus getting gear from Galactic Command is very similar to Luke and Han receiving medals for their contributions in the Battle of Yavin. Crafting is like Luke Skywalker. He's there from the start. He has to fight a lot of ships. He loses his best friend. He loses his droid. And then he has to make this big decision. Does he trust in the Force or his technology? In the end, he makes the right choice, destroys the Death Star, and gets a medal. The Galactic Command, on the other hand, is like Han Solo. He swoops in at the end, takes one shot. Yes, it was a very important shot, but it was still just one shot. His life is never in danger, and he too gets the medal. Not only does he get a medal, but he also gets the set bonus, which is, of course, Princess Leia. So crafting just, to me, seems to be more effort than it's worth. And as they said, one of the goals was for it to work as a catch-up mechanism. It's there as a stopgap. Um, but I suspect it will be way too expensive to be a viable means of gearing up a character alt 
or otherwise. I mean, the Galactic Command is an endless supply of gear and mods, and you will be getting loot crates from by doing any, virtually any activity in the game. And as long as you keep plugging away and you keep on trucking, no matter what you do, you're going to be getting loot crates and you're going to be getting gear. And yes, it's random, but over time you will eventually have everything. You will have duplicates of all sorts of things and you'll be able to rip out those mods, put it in legacy gear. And I think that's going to be a much better way of gearing up your alts just because the effort to gather the materials, to find the schematics, to make this stuff, and then to have it be slightly worse than what you're ultimately going to be getting from these command crates. To me, it just doesn't seem to be worth the effort. But depending on how you feel about Knights of the Eternal Throne and what you're going to do, and I've seen some players indicate that they're just going to come back uh, play the story when it launches and then call it a day and they'll just cancel their subscription and wait until they hear what kind of group content and etc that Bioware has planned for later in the year. And while that is certainly one way to go about doing things, unlike past expansions though, you're really going to put yourself in a hole when it comes to gearing up in this expansion because you won't be playing the Galactic Command system and you won't be leveling up your Galactic Command. So let's just say in January they announce some very cool eight-man content or some cool group content, regardless of whether it's an operation. Maybe it's just something with a group and it sounds like fun. You're like, you know what, I'm going to come back for that. And then you find out, you know, because Bioware likes to, doesn't announce this stuff very far in advance. They'll, 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 they'll announce it and then a couple weeks later, boom, there it is, right? So you hear that announcement and they say, I'm coming back. And then, you know, all of a sudden you find out that ex- that content's going to be available two weeks after you come back. But because you haven't been working on your Galactic Command, guess what? You're now way behind the curve. And sure, spending a whole bunch, dumping a whole bunch of credits or maybe having some friends craft you some of that gear is one way to get started. But it, like I said, it's just things like it's just going to drain your bank account and not be worthwhile. And it's also going to feel very unsatisfying because it's not going to be nearly as good as what you get out of the Galactic Command. And because the Galactic Command is the source of gear, it's not like, I mean, your friends could run you through some operations and some PvP matches, but even then you're just going to be earning Galactic Command points and you won't actually be able to target specific pieces of gear or it's like every boss that you fight, for example drop some loot and you're going to be able to get all of that loot because no one else needs it because they've been playing. I'm just, it's just one possible scenario, for example. So you're going to be stuck having to grind out basically your galactic command in order to gear up. So maybe crafting would be an attractive option at that point. Although I, like I said, very, very, it's going to be expensive. I don't think there's any doubt about that. So yeah, it's really designed, as I mentioned before, they, this whole expansion, I talked about Knights of the Fallen Empire. You know, you could subtitle that the subscription gambit. I believe I talked about that in episode seven of, of the podcast. I think Knights of the Eternal Throne just kind of carries on that theme even further and hammers that notion. And, uh, you know, you might be able to subtitle this one, you know, subscribe or go home. Because really, if you are not subscribed to this game, you are pretty much missing out on the entirety of this expansion. So that's crafting. Um, 
in Knights of the Eternal Throne. Oh, one of the other things they did say is there are going to be another, they are going to introduce new augment kits and augment. So there will be some Mark 10 augment kits. I've sold plenty of the augment kits in this expansion, prior expansions. And, you know, if you're looking for something to make a few extra credits on the GTN, that via crafting, uh, can't go wrong with augment kits. And for those of you listening who made your bread and butter on augment kits, I'm sorry if I just ruined it for all of you. But, but you know, hey, it's the truth. They, they sell. They just put them up there and they sell and they sell and they sell. And it's a great thing to sell. I like selling them better than I do the uh, adrenals and, uh, stims and all sorts of that stuff, which of course there'll probably be new versions of that. And that will be another good thing for you to sell. So I want to talk about uprisings because they did the live stream this past week and that was the focus. And this is, if there's one thing I think I hope people are excited about, if the one thing I'm actually very much looking forward to, it's these uprisings. So what are they? They are essentially four-man flashpoints that are very light on story. So I don't imagine there will, there will be little, if any, spacebar pressing needed on these. They are designed to be fast-paced and get you in the action quickly and take about 15 or 20 minutes to complete. It sounds like you're going to be fighting waves of enemies, working your way towards, you know, different bosses. And, of course, you'll be able to queue for uprisings via the Galactic Commands, which, as I was just saying, means you have to be a subscriber to participate. Now, originally, there was going to be a solo mode, but that's been scrapped. And at launch, there will be two modes, Story. And this is essentially tactical in that it's role neutral. Any four people can participate. And then there will be veteran. And this will require a standard flashpoint composition of a tank, a heal, and uh, two DPS. And then there's going to be a third difficulty level called master. And this is not going to be available at launch, by the way. This is something that will be released sometime after launch and will be even harder than veteran. And I think they talked about veteran being similar to... uh the Lost Island hard mode. So if any of you are in, in Kaon Under Siege, so if you remember doing those hard modes, that is apparently the level of difficulty that they've targeted for veterans. So yeah, fun times for all. Uh, one of the other things about uprisings is during, while you're doing them, you're going to be able to acquire some pretty cool buffs and they, they, they identified three that will be available for you. I guess items that you'll either loot or pick up on the ground. And there's the Tempest Rocket Launcher which fires an unstable prototype missile that explodes on contact to at least torrents of lightning in all directions. Enemies caught in the blaze are electrocuted and stunned for three seconds while continuing to sustain heavy damage. Additionally, the initial impact deals massive concussive damage, knocking enemies backwards and down to the floor. And I think it was indicated in the live stream, so that's a great way once your group has all these guys rounded up ready to do their massive AoE, you just drop a rocket launcher and then blow them out, uh, blow them all away from the, from the AoE effects. Fun, fun stuff. <laughs> uh, Thermal Devastator is another item. It's the most powerful and feared explosive in the galaxy. The Thermal Devastator emits an incendiary concussive wave that sets enemies ablaze, right? And who doesn't want to set enemies on fire? Uh, while the initial impact sears foes in an all-consuming conflagration, the follow-up wave of force launches them through the air with bone-shattering force, another great way to just blow knock packs of mobs out of uh, AoE. And the final one, which I really think is cool, is called Combat Clarity. 
and for a brief period of time, you'll be able to move faster and use your most powerful abilities with reckless abandon. In other words, they will not have a cooldown and they will consume no resources. So I don't know how long that buff lasts, but that's crazy right there, right? That's just, they, uh, you know, I think there's an ability already called unlimited power, but really they should have called that unlimited power and really have your guy emote like Palpatine did in Revenge of the Sith. So it's kind of nice that we get to see buff items like that, which should be a fun and b maybe ensure you know greater chance of success for certain things. But uprisings, I don't I don't know if they got into the specifics. I think there's going to be a handful of them available at launch, maybe five. They're going to be related to different planets that exist in the game, and I think they basically utilized some of these existing zones for you know. As far as setting up the arena in which you'll be fighting and competing in. So it sounds like fun. And I think they may have some additional ones planned for release later on in addition to the master mode. So those are uprisings. It's a nice activity. Uh, you'll be able to queue through that through the galactic command system. So that, that's going to be my focus. So when I look at, you know, what's coming in Knights of the Eternal Throne, yeah, uprisings are the, the things that I'm targeting to, to just do a lot of. And then probably replaying the Knights of the Eternal Throne chapter, certainly, especially if there's fun stuff to do there, and probably the Knights of the Fallen Empire. And then I'll, I'll do a handful of other stuff, like, you know, some flashpoints and the dailies and the heroics and stuff like that. But it's, it's the new stuff that's really got my attention, and that's really where I want to focus my energies on. And, and, and so the uprisings are, are, are the new thing that I think a lot of people will be doing, and hopefully they'll be fun. I like the idea that they're story light and fast paste so there you go i mean we'll see it would be interesting to see so next next time next live stream they've got as i said the combat and class changes um i'll try and cover that on my next podcast which will probably going to be hopefully november 8th if not november 9th so yeah we're coming up on 30 minutes a little bit shorter today but with that i'm going to cue the music here and just say that you have survived another half hour give or take listening to episode 11 of the state of the old republic podcast i am your host ted and i thank you for tuning in you can find this podcast on itunes stitcher google play youtube and buzzsprout you can also listen to the show directly from the show site which is currently sotorpodcast.com and there is an RSS feed where you can subscribe to the podcast directly. If you have a question for the show, you can email me at sotorpodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet your questions to at sotorpodcast and be sure to follow me on Twitter to get the latest information on the podcast and tune in next week for episode 12. And remember the Sith Code cake is alive.